Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass, presented by Nolan Consulting Group, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop their teams, and build sustainable growth, so that business operations don't run solely through them. We want to get business owners out of the hourglass. Today, we're bringing you the latest edition of Lessons in Leadership, featuring Brian and Kevin Nolan. The theme on this month's episode is Cleaning Up the Mess. As everyone in the contracting industry knows, there is always some mess to clean up in your business. Today, Kevin shares with Brian some of the messes that he is currently dealing with at Nolan Painting. Everything from COVID-related issues, HR problems, and much, much more. Be sure to listen as Brian gives Kevin some A1 coaching advice on how to handle the problems he's dealing with. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show. All right, thanks, Carter. Here I am again with Kevin Nolan, Brian Nolan here, his brother and partner in crime. This is a little different spin on lessons in leadership. We've been doing a lot of thinking, and we've concluded that business is messy. Let's clean up the mess. So uh, for our podcast going forward, Kevin and I are going to clean up the mess. Actually, Kevin is going to let me coach him, which is, like, really fun. I'm going to let you help clean I'm up the, the little mess. brother. Okay. Here, I have a mess every me? day. I'm going to let you help today. I coach a lot of people, and he, he pretends that I don't coach him, but I really do. I'll let you borrow anyway, my watch, and then you can tell me what time it is. Oh, that's good, Kev. That's good. You think I'm going to help you today? Nice try. But let's clean up your mess. Okay. Actually, every Monday morning, I, I typically get an email from Kevin, and it's literally stating the mess. Uh, Mondays are tough. You know, you've, uh, if you're Kevin Nolan, uh, you beat yourself up pretty good during the weekend. You've, um, yeah, you would say you do the same thing. You move, yeah, I do too. You, you know, you move rocks, uh, yeah. you run, uh, you work hard, you party hard. You yeah, do, like, you come stuff. into Monday, like, poof, yeah. it hits you. Yeah. Problems. And we say rainy days and Mondays get me down. And then, and then we were just running. I said, but by Tuesday morning, I, you, you got the wheel again. You grabbed the wheel, you started feeling better. But we're going to go through some of the mess this week because they span a lot of uh, topics that a lot of you are probably dealing with as well. Topic number one, COVID, COVID. and safety. So this is this email I get from Kevin. So Joanna has COVID. I saw her every day. We've all been very diligent about wearing masks, but it's getting close. Christy, our designer, had it, had it last Wednesday. We had to cancel jobs because customers. What are we doing here, Kev? How, how are you managing COVID? Everybody's handling it differently, but it's a tough one. Yeah, well, it's been a fact of life. And so I guess luckily it's, it hasn't been ever as severe as our worst fears. But it certainly has been there a lot. Um, I think I was bragging to somebody that we actually had a week without COVID in our lives uh, from an employee standpoint. Uh, we've been having jobs cancel and things like that. Uh, but then uh, it's come back. <clears throat> in fact, even if I talked to you last Wednesday, uh, I said, yeah, we haven't had it now, a week and a half. And on the way home, I found out that Christy, our color consultant, and she had been to like 20 jobs over the previous week. Um, and she was diagnosed. And so she had to call all those people. And then she's out of commission. We used to have four color consultants. Now we have one. So uh, everything got pushed back there. Uh, but then Joanna, who works in our office with me uh, every day, uh, we found out on Monday that her husband had COVID. And then Monday evening, we found out that she had COVID. So um, that's as close as I've actually had it in my life, you know, since nobody my in my pod she's in my pod you know mm. she's in the people that i've seen every day so 
Yeah, but we have been real diligent since November wearing masks uh, in the office. As soon as you walk out of your office or to, if anybody walks in your office, you put one on. And let's just hope, let's just hope that it doesn't run rampant through our office now. It's been two, th two days since that diagnosis. Um, I feel okay. We just ran six miles together, so mm -hmm. uh, at least at the very least is uh, asymptomatic at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's been a strain in general. You know, we laid off a lot of people in the fall, a lot of staff, not, not so much painters. We laid off staff, and so um, so now my uh, – so, so Joanne is currently out. Uh, Christy's out. Uh, she'll be back tomorrow, actually. But then uh, Danielle um, had a baby. Uh, I think we said it was on Thursday she had a baby, last Thursday. She had been our – she's our bookkeeper and all-around uh, – go-to person, and so she's out for some period of time. And then this morning, Taylor, who's our one of our two call center people, uh, her or her father um, had a heart attack, and he's um, he's he's doing fine apparently. But um, she needed to take off for that. Well, you know, so, I mean, boy. not that not that uh, we can solve uh, COVID here, but I think there's never been a clearer case for the systems run the business, the people run the systems and the necessity to have scripts in place for answering phones and processes that that you can plug other people into. Other people it's, can, yeah. It's really never been more needed now that uh, you can um, you can ha lose people, but you don't lose who you are and how you do things. Yeah, I've also always sort of had a plan B. Uh, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I hired another call center person. I had laid off everybody but one, and then I started building back mm -hmm. up. And so in December, I, I hired another one part-time, made her full-time in January. So now I've, uh, look, I had a backup there. Taylor was taking Daniel's uh, functions. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's backups, and that's what— Yeah, I mean, and there's backups who, would, who can uh, plug and play into a script. I mean, your brand is so key. Here's how we answer the phone. Here's, yeah. here's, here's those things, as opposed to it all being in some long-term employee's head, and then they're gone, and then all of a sudden you're getting complaints from— customers about they're not as friendly as they used to be yeah uh, yeah and then you know when we were talking originally about this whole topic of all these problems that you have any given day and I have a long list we won't even get to them all um, it's really about still forging ahead and still trying to work on on the plan right because that's what that was the approach you really came out to me is like you know how's the execution going mm -hmm. and so believe it or not we're still executing we're still executing on a plan and despite the fact, I mean, these problems are not just this week. <laughs> these are all the time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, COVID's new, and it's, but it's been now. It's been around for, you know, 10 months. So. I, mean, I mean, the key to, to all these problems is not to let it be a belly punch, yeah. to expect yeah. problems and, and make it part of it. So yeah. um, we'll move on uh, to um, maybe one that is uh, more severe right now to you, where knock, knock, OSHA's here. Uh, you you had a pretty severe fall. Yeah, I think uh, I talked about it in one of our earlier podcasts. And they came back this week or, yeah, or last week. What was that week. all about? We They disappeared. We sent them some stuff that they wanted, and then they disappeared, and we thought they went away. What was I thinking? That's not the way it goes. So on um, a week ago, Friday, they called for with some more questions. So, oh, they're back. And then uh, last Friday at 4.30 p.m., uh, they served me with a um, – a penalty and a fine, um, and I had a sign for it. And so the fine's only $9,000, uh, but the penalty is a severe penalty. And basically, they said we didn't train our people, and that is nonsense. 
and I am fighting it, and we're going to fight it. We've got our lawyers involved on Monday, and we're going to we're going to look for a hearing, and I'm determined to fight it and get rid of not so much the financial penalty that doesn't bother me. It's the severe penalty. I because can't have it severe. It's my first. It's severe ever. because if you were like uh, driving a car, it'd be points on your license. So if it happens again, what happens if it's next event, next thing that happens? What's well, they, the they tend to throw the book at you, go deeper, and you know it's like. I'm saying to you, it's my first time ever. Well, I won't be able to say that again. Right. And right. next time it'll be my second time if it happens. And so what's the message to your employees, Kev? Well, so, you know, I always say over and over again that all good companies spend an inordinate amount of time on safety. And so we're just going to just crank it up on safety. And we have been. We've been doing it ever since the accident. We uh, cranked it up. We, we can tell right away when OSHA first interviewed us, they didn't care that we were in a COVID crisis. They wanted to know, like, when was the last time these individuals were trained? We want, they wanted to see sign off of trainings and meetings. You know, and here this was July. We're only back two months from a six-week shutdown. The year was a mess. So anyway, we've, we've gotten our act together. We've had numerous safety meetings since then. We're, we, you know, we've put uh, things in place. Um, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to prove that not only do we do training, but this individual who, who, who he chose a... Um, a bad ladder. He chose a, an, or, an orchard ladder, which is a ladder that we had had that we had used for hanging Christmas lights when we had that holiday mm. lighting business. So he chose that ladder in a pinch to to uh, reach a spot, 12 foot, and he went up to the top of it. And of course, he tumbled off it and broke his back and was in trauma unit, big claim and all that. But uh, he's back to work, by the way, and he's doing fine. I asked him, do you have any extra pains? He said, no. So um, that's the main thing. Um, but it was rotten to get that on Friday evening. Uh, I kept it to myself over the weekend. Uh, I didn't share it with anybody on the team. I figured only one person had to have a ruined weekend. Um, I didn't share it with my wife or anybody. I just kept it to myself. And then Monday morning, it was just another problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the key here is documentation, documentation of, yeah. of your safety training. We have lots of it. I, and, so we're and, good on that. Yeah. yeah. And so they're going to look for that more and more. And uh Accidents happen, but OSHA is going to come in here and look for anything you may have done wrong, yeah, right? Right. And, and it, let's face it, they may find something that you didn't do. They, they, are, that, they that, definitely that, indicate that they are not our friend. So, yeah. uh, but that's, that's fine. Um, like I said, we have, at the end of the day, you know, no one died. He's going to heal. It's only $9,000. And I bet you the next time we talk, I'll be able to tell you that I, I got that severe removed from the penalty and that um, it won't go on my record. Business so. is messy. This is. is messy. Yep. Uh, let's move on to, um, I'm going to save succession for the end, actually. Let's, <clears throat> let's move on to, we need painters. Uh, you, you were saying you have actually haven't been as small in several years, and recruiting yeah. is on your mind. Uh, you have a lot of leads. A, a lot of residential yep. contractors are plush with leads, um, and we, we find ourselves in the same position of not having enough employees how are you, how aggressive You know, it's been the story the whole time is yeah. uh, most of us have underestimated uh, the demand that would happen. And I don't know how you would have estimated that there would be any severe demand in a, in a pandemic, but there is incredible demand. Um, the phones had died a good, good bit in December, as they usually do. Uh, the news was terrible, right? And we know how, how crazy the world was in December. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I, we had pulled back and we've been pulling back most of the year. Uh, and as I mentioned to you, that hasn't hurt us financially. We're, we're doing well financially. But in terms of growth, it's been, it's been a problem. 
Um, so if I, if I take my combined field and staff, we are the, the smallest we've been in four years, um, which was not the direction we were going a year ago. No. Uh, we were the largest we'd ever been. And so, uh, so there's a rebuild happening, no question about it. Um, we t- I waited for the first week uh, into the new year to see what kind of a, a lead count we got. So we got more leads than we did year over year last year. And last year I was spending a fortune in advertising and we got more phone calls than we did last year in a hmm. non-pandemic uh, world on the first week of January. Same thing happened the second week. Um, so off to the races, the plan was to quickly shift or move uh, de- aggressively. We were waiting for the call. I basically said, we're going to wait and see what happens next week. If the phone's good, we're going to go aggressive and start advertising. <clears throat> I've got an $80,000 budget for HR. I told my uh, recruiting team, we've, I have... Two meetings a week. I have an HR meeting, and then I have a recruiting meeting. Um, and I've told told the recruiting meeting to figure the team on that to figure out how to spend 80k, and we would uh, divide it up over all kinds of different things. Everything from streaming to geofencing. Um, geofencing around paint stores. Um, yeah, around paint stores, and then also uh, later we're going to do around high schools. So just to explain that geofencing means that there will be ads that will pop up on anybody who walks, who walks into, into that a zone. Store. Right. Yeah. So you zone. can pick an address. You can pick the the uh, a, a certain amount of distance around that address, and then anybody who drives into that that sector will then get uh, fed your advertising. Yeah. So most of our advertising now is shifting from marketing, where I have a pretty big budget. I have a $400,000 budget for marketing, and then uh, recruiting was like 80000 for the year. Well, we're going to spend it all in the first quarter. We're going heavy and hard, and I'm going to shift over the marketing budget um, and bring more over to recruiting. Yeah, well, talk about what uh, Chris does. You, you hired a uh, recru- yeah. Navy recruiter yep. uh, who's retired, and now he's a known painting recruiter. Yeah. What approach is he taking? Well, you know, he has a lot of approaches that, um, that I, you know, were certainly not things we thought of in the beginning. Um, he's drilling down a lot more on references than we ever did before. References, you know, we really, we don't just check off references. He's literally drilling down on references and finding out more about these people from the people that they refer us to. They're not going to, if he gives us a reference, they're not going to bump off the call in, in two minutes. He wants to know a lot more about the individual, how they were involved in engaged. Um, and, you know, we're trying, we're still trying to skew younger. Um, we, I feel as though we're mostly looking at displaced workers, right? So people that were currently working in someplace else and got laid off. Someone who Pre- showed some work experience. Yeah, but it's, it's really coming down to pandemic related. So mm. y- you worked at a restaurant, now you're laid off. Uh, you worked at a bar, I don't know, Countless other places, a gym. There's got to be lots of those people. There is, yeah. But they're displaced, mm-hmm. meaning this wasn't what they expected. They're not in their element. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try painting because I've encouraged everybody to give it a shot, right? That's in my but advertising it, But it says. wasn't a lifelong dream, maybe, of theirs <laughs> yeah. to become a painter. And, so, and if you're 34 years old and you were working as a waiter in a restaurant and you got laid off, and now we put you into the construction world or into the painting world. You know, we start, we, we're at jobs at 7 a.m. That's a big, that's a big transition. Um, now, if you're 24, that might be a transition, but it's not quite as large a transition. There's not as many habits built in, you know, mm-hmm. staying up late and, and, 
things like that, which are the opposite of what you need to do if you want to be in construction. You got to get to bed early. So, um, so we're skewing younger. Uh, we want so we're basically advertising younger. So we're not advertising on the radio. We're doing all streaming because we think that and podcasts and Spotify and um, some of the other ways. There you can even advertise on gaming. So we're going younger on all that, yeah. stuff that I never would have considered. What about high schools? Is he talking to high schools? Well, high schools we're reaching out to, but that's not going to solve our need now. Right. We need that's a long game. That's a long game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what about the pathways, learning pathways? Does Chris use that as a, you know, like when you join the Army, like uh, yeah. you have these, like you could learn all these things. And the learning pathways, I think, is a major selling point well, if, for if, you guys. If you've been uh, paying attention to our Wednesday meetings, I know you have. Our Wednesday, we've been going over a module every single week um, with about 40 people on the call. I spent about five minutes going over a module. Uh, today we did the definition of a properly painted surface. Then he's taking that module and we're um, – updating it and we're sending it out to people and we're asking them to produce videos and then we're having video contests and we're getting videos. So videos on, on how to paint these various items, we're putting them all together and uh, we're gonna have an amazing training program. We already do have an amazing tra training program. It's being updated live. So uh, whenever, um, whenever an update is made, it's happening globally. And so, yeah, so the two together are really, you know, obviously h hiring people that don't have skill and training them has always been the future and, of our business. And really showing them that they can achieve, right? They can make good money. They can... Yeah, pathway. Yeah. Yeah. These pathways. That's why key. we call them learning paths because they are paths. They're paths to get... And we then we, we, you know, we couple that with a structured pay environment. And um, yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity to have something to, to recruit to. That's right. Um, but obviously you have to be selective because it's not for everybody. And that's where we've struggled the most is the turnover. Because the turnover is, um, I mean, I've talked about embrace turnover, and we have, but it's exhausting. So, so let's talk about a way to um, reduce turnover. Uh, you're doing something this afternoon very interesting. It's a, a financial fitness seminar where you're having employees join, I guess it's a Zoom class. <coughs> 23 people I, I see are signed up. Yeah, Maybe now more it's by more, now. Yeah. Now it's about and, 40. Uh, you and Jim Falk are going to teach employees how to, what, Kev, be financially so healthy? I'm focusing. Uh, Jim's a little better investor than I am. I've never been a great investor, to be quite honest with you. I'm really conservative. Um, my philosophy of investing is I, I'm in a risky business, so I'm going to be really conservative in my investments. So I don't get that double wallop of, like, when business goes south, my stocks went south. Whereas Jim has been more aggressive on stocks, and he, he's more comfortable with talking about investing. So I'm really more in talk, uh, comfortable talking and teaching about lifestyle and saving. Oh, so um, this is going to be taught by you and Jim? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So we're going to talk about, we have a really good PowerPoint we put together, and I've been, we're going to talk about life experiences, about how we have learned how to discipline ourselves to save more uh, spend not necessarily spend less because you do want I mean you do want to spend less but to spend more carefully you know not to you know I'm going to focus on like what it costs to buy a new car versus a used car and you know like a new car could cost you from buying a, could could stop you from buying a house for like two or three years because you you spent all your money on a car right. when a, buying a house would be the thing you should spend you should be spending the most amount of time thinking about so I actually have, you know, slides that talk about how much a new car costs. Because it's not just the cost of the car. The insurance is more money, and you got the payments that last for years and years I mean, the and one years. thing to be uh, 
house poor, but to be car poor is kind of a bummer. Yeah, and I see so many of my employees it, make bad decisions. It doesn't appreciate, that. right? It goes down in value. So, you know, one of the things I learned early was to avoid um, paying interest on a depreciating asset. I mean, that's like the definition of how you're going to go broke. You're, you're mm. paying interest on something that's going down in value. So, um, anyway, um, the, there's lots of lessons like that that I think can be transformational to people. Um, I talk about delayed gratification. I talk about automatic savings, automatic payments. Um, and we, we talk about second, it all the time. Second marshmallow, Kev? Second marshmallow. Second marshmallow. So, I'm going to show so, the video. So, so, so second marshmallow, for those of you who do not know it, they look it up. study done. Yeah, study done of young kids who— Four years old. Okay, and, yep. they're, and they're all—they're they're sitting in, in this room, and they're all given a marshmallow, and their mouths are watering, and— uh, they're about to grab it, and the teacher says, uh, wait, wait, if you wait five minutes, you can get a second marshmallow. If you eat this one right now, you can't. And, uh, boy, the ponderance that goes on amongst these some kids. Some do, some don't. And yeah, you see the whole and what's gamut. the lesson learned? The kids yeah. that don't eat the marshmallow, they yeah. save the marshmallow, yeah. are the most successful people. Yeah, and that was right. actually the study. It was a Stanford study, and that was actually the conclusion of years and years was that Delayed gratification and developing and cultivating delayed gratification was a major success factor. And if you think about it, it isn't everything. It's about going to college and, and get your degree. It's about going to master's, getting your master's. It's about waiting to have a family. It's about all the things it, that it takes. It's about discipline and remembering what you want. Yes, yes. Having that, that discipline as opposed to being... Uh, and by the way, going. I can tell the this, this story on my end through all of the mistakes that I've made because I've made tons and um, I've definitely had a harder paper route than Jim. Um, and so I, you know, I've, I've had a whole decade of my life where I was poor. So um, you know, these are things that you never forget. So um, anyway, we'll share some of those stories. I mean, so if you're an employee here and, and you're hearing that kind of stuff, that, that's a powerful reason to not go. And um, if you can help these people achieve sort of lifelong dreams, why would they go? Yeah, I mean, Jim's going to talk about, like, the value of our 401K and how you should be getting the Nolan Painting match mm. and, and also other places to save and yeah. things like that. And Good. Good. So then uh, let's move on to uh, execution. We're, we're <clears throat> about to finish the first month of this new year. Um, we've talked a lot about planning and uh, the cascading planning process. Let's talk about execution and um, how to make sure that we execute the right way. What, what type of initiatives do you have to execute? Because you do spend a lot of time planning, Kev. And now, yeah, it's, now it's time for the work of the work. What, yeah. what does the work well, you of know, the work look we like? Were, we were basically uh, very uh, deliberate to not overreach this year. We're going into this COVID winter. Let's focus on some basics. Um, and the basics were, you know, with COVID, we're not doing great with communication. Let's do better at that. Um, our safety was, was basically informed by OSHA that we needed to, to really be on top of our game. Um, and, um, you know, just to, to stick with the basics of uh, recruiting, communication, uh, safety, um, and um, just really tighten up our systems for when we could start to grow again. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. Uh, I've mentioned to uh, numerous folks that we're going to re- forecast in March, and we're probably going to reforecast again in June. Uh, the reforecast in March, we'll, we'll do some of the things that we talked about before. We'll take some of that marketing money 
and we'll move it over to the um, recruiting spend. Um, and then the re-forecast in June, which I think by that point will be almost totally out of the, the COVID winter. Um, I think at that point we'll be looking to get real aggressive uh, because we are financially pretty well off. And so we'll be looking to get aggressive again in, uh, in growth, hiring managers again, field managers and um, more HR people and things like that. So we really want to, uh, we're going to keep advertising, marketing. We really want to take advantage of, you know, one of the things I've always noticed after these recessions is that the ones that recover fastest and get going fastest get the most market share. Mm -hmm. So literally there's an opportunity here in the next year to just like gobble up double the market share type of thing. You know what I mean? With employees first, right? The yes. X factor. The X factor is this whole More recruiting employees, employees who, yeah. are, who are displaced and showing them a career. That is uh, the number one thing we're talking about um, is recruiting people and growing people. The, I think I mentioned we had like nine people in the pipeline. We've already hired four people this year. Uh, we've lost two, but, but the four that we hired are better than the two that we lost. So, uh, and by the way, those... Uh, two out of the four that we hired came from uh, referrals, mm. you know, that refer from uh, your employees. Um, we upped it. We, had, we were $500 for an apprentice, $1,000 for a painter. So that seemed to be a magic number. We got two painters. Um, so like I said, I don't generally try to look for painters, but uh, I was convinced that if we upped the, the bonus on that, we might see more. And yes. so far, uh, they were right. So, so I'll talk about um, execution from from little different angle, uh, you all probably have big rocks that came out of your planning process. Uh, the big rocks are the, the five or six things you want to do. What I see go wrong, first of all, is that the big rocks aren't clearly identified in terms of what winning looks like, what does done look like, getting everybody on the same page. And then I don't see enough of um, laying out all the steps to get that rock done. And uh, then delegating that to a person and then uh, giving a date to that task and um, never never disrespect a date. If a date passes without talking about a task, then you don't have an execution strategy that's effective. Plus, uh, we know we're looking to have regular meetings on these things and that keeps everybody on target. Accountability meeting, for yeah. sure. So we were, we, one of the big rocks I forgot to mention was scheduling. Our, our scheduling was terrible last year. We were constantly pushing jobs <clears throat> so we've had a couple of scheduling meetings, and um, <clears throat> I think I mentioned to you, we got started actually in mid-December on the, a lot of this execution because, you know, the phone was dying, the plan was more or less done, we were looking at our shoes, we are like, let's get going. Um, so we've already started having, we started having weekly meetings on scheduling, and we actually solved a whole lot of low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. um, but then I found that the meetings were repetitive, and we were talking about the same low-hanging fruit that we already solved. So what we did is we changed the scheduling meeting to every other week now, um, and we've set expectations on what's going to be done by the next meeting. Mm -hmm. And that seems to really work effectively, is to set expectations on what's going to happen by the next meeting. Everybody hurries up right before the meeting, the day or two before, whatever. Um, and in fact, sometimes I'll feel like I'll do something right now so I won't have to hurry up before the meeting. So it just creates this uh, inertia. So uh, the meetings, obviously, like we've talked about in some of the other sessions, all meetings have an agenda. No agenda, don't have a meeting. And a purpose so, and, a, and a, yeah, length. a length. They have a right. PAL, a yep. purpose, agenda, and yep. length. Absolutely. So we have the agenda ahead of time, 
um, if I look at an agenda and it's not uh, well thought out, I want to mark it up and get a thought out agenda. You know, it's part of the way I, like I, I get very frustrated in meetings that are running circles, you know. So uh, I, I've managed to cut through and make effective meetings and get other people to do the same with a good agenda. In the meantime, something big is happening in three and a half years. Uh, you, you noted in your notes that you met with Colleen, your daughter, Kevin, and Chris, your sons, and reinforced to them that you're, in fact, retiring in yeah. three and a half years, probably to come bug me a little more. But that's okay. <laughs> we'll have you, Kev. Yeah. Um, and then you, hear, you learn more that Colin, uh, your VP of operations, is retiring in five years and one month, and Steve Nefranowitz in five years and three months. Everybody's aging out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The competency thing has me intrigued. How, how are you going to be intentional about working on the specific competencies that um, a Colin or a Steve have? These are the two people that mm -hmm. have been sort of the foundations to many of the systems you've developed. Um, well, I mean, like you said, you know, you have good systems and then people run the systems. So it's not like anybody's not replaceable. I think everybody can be replaced. But, but like you said, you have to spend a lot of time working the details out. You just don't expect things to happen. You have to make them happen. So, um, so yeah, so we, on Friday, um, I laid that out to them. I, you know, they weren't surprised by it as much as being so date-specific was, um, was definitely a little surprising. And also the fact that I think that the other two, Colin and Steve, I mean, they, they've heard me talk about it, but then they-, they That's the first time that I've heard them become specific about their date, by the way. Well, I started, to, I started to ask them to get me specifics. Right. Um, still haven't gotten it from Connell. Um, and, you know, John is probably 10 years from now, so he's got a good long one. Because John's going to become CEO in three and a half years. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, the plan is, is a pretty simple plan that anybody could understand. Um, management team really runs the company right now. Management team will continue to run the company. After I retire, John will be the CEO. Um, after that first year of retirement, I'll start to uh, pass some of the business on to my children. Um, and I'm going to pass it over five years, um, not charging my, my kids for the business. Frankly, it's a brutal business, and I'm glad, I'm glad they're going to take it and carry on the legacy. Um, no more messes for yeah. you. <laughs> I can't imagine like selling them a big pile of rocks and saying, there it is, there's your business, <laughs> carry those rocks. Um, I mean, they make a decent living, but at the end of the day, um, you need to be into this more than just to make money. Um, I think most businesses are in it more to make money. They generally have a higher purpose and money comes along for the ride, hopefully, if it's done right. Um, I hope so, because otherwise, if money is your main purpose, it's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard road um, because, you know, it's really the it's really the development of the business that's so rewarding, and development of people, and the development of systems, and watching your plans work, and the execution strategy, and then and then implementation, and then success. That's what makes business fun. You know, though, it occurs to me as as I sit here um, that resiliency may be actually one of your greatest skills. After you're done. No, I mean, yeah. I mean your your ability to to deal with uh, the plethora of problems and and to not let it overwhelm you is so you know teaching I, resilience that certainly comes along with age though it comes along but how do you yeah. teach that I mean that comes along so with you, mindfulness you have to model and, it yeah right you model it I think if you model it then people can see it and they can start to do it 
So clearly, you run around with your head cut off. People are going to realize that's a bad model. Um, but you know, we were talking in that meeting with with my kids about visioning, and none of them can vision right now. Um, mm. And really, there's not a whole lot of folks in the company that can vision right now, except me. Mostly because it's in my job description, and I made it that. And it wasn't that I was always so good at it. As a matter of fact, well, I, you, but you've got a lot of years doing it. Yeah, so but I mean, I think I remember telling you that in 2009, after the recession, I was stuck. I was like. I got no vision anymore. I, I don't even know if I want a vision. I, you know what? My, I want my vision to, to be out of here. Like at some point, you, you can't really contrive in your mind what a, what a perfect world would look like if it was done. But then you start to develop those sk skills, and you said it before. Like, what's it going to look like when it's done? That's really and, – and done is, is, is more like figurative than it is literal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's a perfect scheduling plan as part of a big rock? What's it going to look like when it's done? Well, we described it. Yeah, we said we were never going to push jobs, that we were um, going to give people exact dates, you know, and, and we weren't going to push any jobs. And if that – if we pushed, like, 500 jobs last year, if we pushed no jobs – that meant that was that was success. Yikes. Yeah. So uh, so, what's it look like when it's done is the most important question in visioning. And done means three years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. Just pick that as done and what's it going to look like. So, so a key might be to have um, all these sort of next level up to, to work on their visions, to work on their primary aims, to work on their three years, what what looks like that's that's a um, well they get a little bit of a break because they are not running the company right away and so we've got a lo nice long you know runway here of three and a half years i'm out of day to day eight and a half years i'm out of the business so that's still a nice long runway to do things intentional and to do that do those kind of practical experiences that you're talking about but we're not in a hurry we'll we'll, we'll work our way through that and um right now we're still all visioning what it looks like in a post-covid world Sure. And what growth looks like again and what it feels like to be excited about growth again. Yeah. That's something that's that's going to be fun. You know, so to wind this up, uh, I think one of the keys to clean up, up the mess is not to make the mess rest in your head. And um, that's why it's so hard Monday morning when you have multiple messes and you, you have a psychic ram freeze. And the first thing I always coach on is... Um, to empty your head and get something on paper, to get some distance from the mess and yourself uh, where you can work through something. If you, if you make a mess circular, uh, you drive yourself silly. Well, I mean, you know, when I sent you that email on Monday morning with the list of problems, it, it is kind of like a way to be able to list the problems. It is. And then, you know, okay, so there's nine of them or there's 12 of them. Let's just take care of them one after the other. Let's attack now. Yeah. And then you, you begin talking about them with your people. Yep. You, you delegate some of the problems, some of the ones obviously you can't, like OSHA. I, mean, I, had a, I didn't even talk about, you know, I, I have two tough customers. That was about 30 grand, won't pay us, boom. And we worked on that one, and I, we actually got one to pay this morning. So, um, at, you know, Monday it seemed all pretty daunting. Um, but as you say, by Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, it starts to feel like you can conquer it. And you're starting to take action on it, and by Thursday and Friday, you're you're getting tired. But at the same time, there is that satisfaction of, uh, you know, having problems, eating them for breakfast, being a problem. So Monday morning's a big breakfast. <laughs> so I, I I get calls sometimes. Hey Brian, I've had a big breakfast today, yeah. and it's usually not a good one. Not just for me, from others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so we'll, we'll be back again. Uh, 
in a month or so um, with another mess, another set of messes, another. There'll uh, be more messes between then and now. I, I didn't even tell you about all of our messes. So. And we'll uh, a couple accumulate. of ones just solved by myself, Brian. Yeah, business is messy, so uh, get good at cleaning up the mess. Thank you all. We've enjoyed uh, this topic. We hope you have too. We'll catch you again soon. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.